Bibles to Matthew 5. Matthew chapter 5. And start with verse 10 here. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 10, that uh, note about this day in history just leads right into uh, what we're talking about today. And today we want to talk about good for evil. You know, a Christian is supposed to be different than the world. The world gives evil for evil, but the Christian should give good for evil. And let's go down here to chapter 5 and verse 10. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And, well, what happened to those Huguenots who went to Florida? Well, they were persecuted just like here. And it says here that they should have rejoiced that their reward was exceeding great in heaven, suffering for the Lord. But, you know, it doesn't say here that when people suffer for the Lord, they, they should not get mad, they should get even. It doesn't say that. That's the old saying. It doesn't say they should get vengeance, but they should get revenge. And it doesn't even say they should get justice, although sometimes they might get justice. But you know, Hollywood, uh, probably the most recurrent theme in Hollywood, or one of the most recurrent themes, is the one of revenge. And the movie is all about the good guy getting revenge. And the good guy's father or his wife or whoever it is is killed at the very beginning of the movie. And this, we spend the whole rest of the movie with him getting revenge. Well, a Christian is not out for revenge. A Christian is willing to suffer evil sometimes. And, of course, sometimes we might have to insist upon our rights. Uh, there with Paul, we were studying about him with the Romans. He insisted on his rights a couple of times. He insisted on his rights as a Roman citizen, that he wasn't supposed to be bound without having been charged and, and uh, shouldn't have been in prison without rights. And he insisted upon his rights certain times, but certain times we have to suffer wrong. And we have to give good for evil, not revenge. Well, let's go down to verse 23, the same chapter. Of course, this is the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is very famous. Uh, we were just watching a TV program, I think it was last night, an old one, and the guy said, don't give me the Sermon on the Mount now. And, of course, he knew all about the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on, on the Mount is very famous, and it talks a lot about giving back good for evil. Verse 23. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother has aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Well, here... 
we again are supposed to render good for evil. We know that our brother, not us, but we know our brother has something against us. He has something against us. And we don't render him evil for evil. No, we try to reconcile, try to get it right, try to love our brother and work things out. And then you go down to verse 38. Verse 38, or no, no, 39. Where is it? 38, yeah, 38. Number 38, where we read in our responsive reading. Ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Have you ever heard that before? That's supposed to be the philosophy in the Old Testament, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That's a very limited philosophy in the Old Testament. It's only for limited things. If a baby... If people strive and fight and a baby is damaged, then it's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That's one place that comes, comes into play in the Old Testament. And another place that comes into play is uh, if you accuse somebody of a crime and it's found to be a false accusation, you're supposed to suffer the same punishment that that person that you accused was going to suffer. And that was an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But there is love in the Old Testament as well in the New Testament and remembering our neighbors and trying to have love for them and giving good for evil. Then we go down to verse 39. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil, But whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. We're supposed to be ready to overlook personal insults. Personal insults we have to overlook. And it can't always be tit for tat. No. And I had a good illustration of this just yesterday leading into this sermon. I was riding with my daughter somewhere and the kids were in the back seat and all of a sudden there was a big fight going on in the back seat yesterday and my daughter asked well what's going on back there and then the the son says well she hit me and I hit her back and then she hit me harder and I hit her back harder well that's what we tend to do as as people in this world somebody hits us we'll hit them back If they hit us harder, we hit them back harder. But that's not how it's supposed to be as a Christian. A Christian is supposed to be better than the world. Better than the natural world around us. You remember back in early days of America, you remember Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr? I wonder if you can remember what happened with them. They had a duel. And back in those days... If somebody came up to you and slapped you on the cheek, you were supposed to have a duel, even though it was illegal. But they were supposed to have a duel, and they were going to have a duel to the death because of that slap on the cheek. Well, that was completely not Christian to have that go on. And in fact, Alexander Hamilton, for some reason, he decided he wanted to continue with that duel with Aaron Burr, but he didn't defend himself. And he was shot and killed. But anyway, we have duels instead of turning the other cheek. 
And then I was in the, on the internet this week about the Hatfields and McCoys, that that feud is still going on. And of course, how do you have those feuds? Well, it's tit for tat. The Hatfields do this, then the McCoys do the same. And it goes back and forth and back and forth, tit for tat. Uh, you kill one, kill the other, do, do this, do that. And when does that ever get stopped? It only stops when somebody doesn't give back the evil that the other person gave to them. And then uh, in our country, I've mentioned it before, you know, uh, back in World War II, Hitler, he sent his bombers over England and bombed London. And so then the British and the Americans decided that they needed to render evil for evil. And they needed to go over and bomb Hitler's cities. And... Of course, the thing is, Hitler was there bombing London, and he was attacking civilians. And so the U.S. and Britain decided, well, we'll have to go over there and attack civilians. And the Britain and the U.S. did it ten times more than what the Germans had done. And that really what is, it, it really didn't make any sense making more on civilians. It just got them mad, that's all. And of course, that philosophy went back to the Civil War with Sherman's march to the sea, and it was making war on civilians, rendering evil for evil. No, we want to render good for evil. And so, if somebody slaps you on the cheek, you're supposed to turn the other cheek. You know, that's not very easy, is it? It's not easy at all. It doesn't come naturally, but that's what we ought to do, render good for evil. And then it says, verse 40, if a man sues you, well, uh, you know, open yourself up for something else sometimes and not uh, sue him back, countersuit. And if somebody uh, compels you to go a mile, you should go two miles with him, not just one. And so here it is, the whole principle here of not rendering evil for evil, rendering good for evil. And of course there it says, if any man will sue you at the law. Well, of course we have insurance for that today, but here it says, well, maybe you ought to just take that suit and, and suffer the evil uh, to let uh, good abound. And then it says, verse 42, give to him that asks you, and from him that would borrow of you, turn not away. And even if there's not much chance that that person's going to give you back the thing that they borrow or they ask, you still should give it to them. And then it goes on down to verse 43. You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Well, that's the normal thing that most people do. They love their neighbor, love those that love them, and hate those that hate them. But a Christian is supposed to do better. Render good for evil. And we're supposed to render, render good to our enemies, our personal enemies especially. Our personal enemies. We have in here, we have four duties that we have to our personal enemies. And here we have verse 44. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you. So there is the first duty. 
Bless them. Don't call them names. Bless them. And speak peaceably. And then it says, do good to them that hate you. That's the second thing we're supposed to do for our enemies, rendering good for evil. We're supposed to do good to them. If we see that that they could use some help in some way, we ought to be willing to help them. And then a third thing that we give to them, we pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Here it says they're despitefully using you, despicable. But still we're supposed to pray for them, pray for them. And then verse 45 that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he makes his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. We have the example of God. God is very long-suffering with the wicked. God just suffers and suffers with the wicked, with people that hate him. And yet he supplies their needs, gives them everything they need. It's like this stray cat that I've talked about before that lives in my garage. And the cat, as soon as I come out, he runs away. He doesn't want anything to do with me, but he wants me to feed him and supply his needs. Well, that's how so many people are out in the world. They don't want anything to do with God, and yet they want God to send the rain. They want God to supply their needs. And God is long-suffering, and he does keep on feeding them, keeps on sending the rain, keeps on supplying their needs. He sends the rain on the just and the unjust, but eventually that long-suffering will end. As we saw in the book of Revelation, when we studied that, that someday that long-suffering will end. And actually, I'm going to be preaching at the Congress there at the ICCC in Collingswood on the last night of the Congress, on the 28th. And my theme that was given to me is, Worthy is the Lamb. And Worthy is the Lamb comes out of Revelation, and it comes out of when they were looking for somebody worthy to open the Book of Judgment the seven-sealed book. And finally, John was weeping, and there was nobody found worthy to open the book, and finally, Jesus was found worthy to open the book. What was it? A book of judgment. And finally, at that time, the long-suffering will cease of God with this world, and the judgment will fall. But God is keeping on suffering long and long and long. And then verse 46, For if ye love them which love you, what reward have you? It's just natural to love some people that love you. What do you have a reward? Do not even the publicans, the tax collectors. The tax collectors are given as the example of the worst kind of people because they used to oppress the people back in those days. Do not even the publicans the same. But we're supposed to be do better than the publicans, better than the world around us. In verse 47, here we have one more duty uh, given to us for our personal enemies. Verse 47, 
And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so. And so we're supposed to be willing to salute our enemies as well. Say hello to them. Be at least civil to them. And that is the first step of being friendly. First step of love is just saying hello. And in this world today, people don't even want to say hello. Well, if you salute your brethren, what do you more than others? We need to do better. We need to let our light so shine before men that they might see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. Render good for evil. And verse 48, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. And you know, there it's, we're going to try to be perfect. We know that we're never going to be completely perfect. But we're trying for it. As I've said before, you know, when we take a test, we, we try to get 100%. That's what we're trying for, even though we know we're not going to get 100%. But we try. And we need to try to be perfect, even as our Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. Now let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and we have this passage, uh, another one about giving good for evil, good for evil. And this is chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians, verse 1. Dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? Do ye not know that the saints shall judge the world, and if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? If then ye have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge who are least esteemed in the church. I speak to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you? No, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren. But brother goeth to law with brother, and that before the unbelievers. Well, here was a problem in the church in Corinth. You had people in the church, they had problems with each other. Uh, Maybe uh, one of them didn't pay back a loan to the other one. And so they went to to the courts of the land before the unbelievers, before the unbelieving judge, to have the judge judge between two believers. And here it says we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't take other believers to court. We should rather even give good for evil and rather even suffer wrong as it comes up with later on. We should not go, verse 16, verse 6, but brother goeth to law with brother, and that before the unbelievers. And then verse 7. Now therefore there is utterly a fault among you, because ye go to law one with another, why do ye not rather take wrong? Why do ye not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? Nay, ye do wrong and defraud in that your brethren. And so it says here, it'd be better than going to the courts to get justice 
to just take the wrong. Just take it. Just don't get your money paid back or whatever it is. You have to be willing to give good for evil. They've done evil. They've not paid back the loan. But we're willing to overlook it and give good to them in return. Why do ye not rather take wrong? And, you know, there is a little bit of a difference between our personal enemies and enemies of the Lord. There's a little bit different tack we take with enemies of the Lord. uh, But still, we are supposed to love our enemies and pray for them. And here we have this thing about not going to court with believers. Well, I've had people that I have known, even in my family, that have taken believers to court, and they've justified it by the fact that they say, well, if that person would do that, they're really not a believer. And so I'm not really taking a believer to court. Well, that uh, doesn't really work like that. Is it If they profess to be a believer and have been regarded as a believer just because they did that wrong thing, we can't all of a sudden decide they're an unbeliever so we can take them to court. Uh, it says here, why do ye not rather take wrong? So as we saw with Paul this morning, sometimes we can insist upon our rights. But many times we have to take wrong. And we don't want revenge. What does the Bible says? say? It says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. And if God repays, he really repays. There's a million different ways that God can take vengeance. God says, I will repay. We don't have to repay other people for what they've done to us. And then you go on just a couple of verses at the end of this paragraph. Know ye not, verse 9, that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And so we were some of these sinners, but now we're justified. We can do better and not go to law before the unbelievers and not uh, get our revenge. And it's interesting, the list of sinners that it gives here. One of them is effeminate. What's somebody that's effeminate? Well, it's a man that looks like a woman. There's a man that acts like a woman. And that's something that's a, that's a sin in the Bible. Of course, that goes, goes along with the transsexuals today. Today, they're really having a big campaign to make transsexuals acceptable. Uh, men that act like women. And it says the effeminate will not go to heaven. God says there's a difference made between men and women. And today they want to erase those differences, and they also want to turn them upside down so you, a man becomes a woman, a woman becomes a man. And everything's upside down, and it's all false. No truth today. 
Truth is how we're born. We're born a man or we're born a woman. Uh, They had in the news that we've got people here today that identify themselves as handicapped. So what they'll do is they say, even though they're not handicapped, they identify themselves as handicapped, so they believe that they should get handicapped, you know, assistance, that they should get handicapped parking spots, that they should get uh, social security disability or whatever, because they identify themselves that way. It's just like the, the men that identify themselves as women, the women that identify themselves as men. It's all complete lies from the father of lies. And then it goes on here, same line there, effeminate or abusers of themselves with mankind. Well, that's talking about homosexuals. And that homosexuality is not accepted in the Bible. It's just not. It's listed in one of those sins where God does not accept them. And then it talks about drunkards, people that drink too much alcohol. And it talks about revilers, people that curse and curse other people, and have a filthy mouth, revilers. And all these different sins that are listed here, and it says, such were some of you, but ye are washed, ye are sanctified. You're different if you're a Christian. You know, when we become a Christian, we become different. And there should be a difference in our lives when we become a Christian. And we should act differently than the world. And the world renders evil for evil. The world's always out for revenge. But a Christian shouldn't be like that. The Christian should be different. He should be one that renders good for evil. As it said in our call for worship, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, that they may glorify your Father which is in heaven. Let's bow in prayer. O Lord, we pray that thou would bless these thoughts to our hearts. And O Lord, we pray that we might render good for evil. O Lord, we pray that we would be different than the world. O Lord, give us the grace to be different than the world. Give us the grace that we don't have within ourselves that we only get from thee. And O Lord, we pray that thou would bless the communion to follow. In Jesus' name, amen.